Let me say thanks again to, wow, to everybody that's come, and what an honor. Uh, you've honored us so well. Thank you to the, well, let me, let me get to my notes because I had a lot of thank yous on there. There's no point in me doing it this way. Yeah, let's read what you wrote, Phil. Oh, we're good on time. Good. So it's hard to believe this is uh, the last Sunday. I said to Paula when she was standing up here like, oh, so this is what the last Sunday's like, you know? And uh, yeah, it's too much. Let me explain. No, let me sum up. Um, so I knew this day would come. I just, I, I mean, I set the date, you know, and, and uh, uh, but it's surreal kind of that it's here. And uh, so let me, uh, I was going to do this with Paula standing by me and then I forgot because I wanted to do the song. So, but uh, to make this official, uh, if anybody needs it to be official. So to the board of deacons uh, and congregation of Carbondale Assembly of God, for more than 47 years, Paula and I have had the distinct honor and privilege to serve this great church, first as youth pastors, then associate pastors, and finally for the past 38 years as the lead pastors. Through all the changes and the seasons, through good times and times of challenge and difficulty, we've seen God's faithfulness at work. To God be the glory. Last year in prayer, I sensed the Lord speak to my heart that there was a new season coming for Carbondale and a new season for Paula and for me. I felt the Lord confirm that word in my heart, and so in response to what I believe to be the direction of the Holy Spirit, I hereby offer my resignation effective this date, Sunday, May the 7th, 2023. I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunity to have served with you and all of the wonderful board members over the past 38 years. I pray the Lord will continue to guide you in your decisions and give you wisdom, discernment, and peace. I believe the best is yet to come for Carbondale Assembly of God, and certainly this church remains forever in our hearts. Carbondale has indeed been a place of healing, hope, laughter, and peace for us. On behalf of Paula and Sarah and Rebecca and myself, thank you for all the love and care. Blessings, Phil Taylor. So... There are so many people deserving of thanks this morning. Uh, thanks to Pastor Peratt, who a lot of years ago saw something in me as a teenager and gave me opportunity to serve and to preach and the peacemakers to, to sing. We even held a revival here at one point. Thanks to Dave and Brenda Kelly, who as our youth pastors loved and supported Paula and myself and again gave opportunities for us to minister. Thanks to Pastor J.L. McQueen and Margie McQueen, who just uh, only about four months after they were elected as our pastors invited us to join their staff and uh, as youth pastors. And they mentored us and loved us and taught us so much about being shepherds and how best to pastor God's church. Thank you to the board members who 38 years and one month ago took a chance on a 29-year-old associate pastor and presented us to the church. And thank you to all the folks who voted for us then and have kept on voting through all the years. Thank you for continuing to give us the opportunity and the honor to serve this great church. You've provided for us and our children. You've cared for and loved us, and we are so thankful. So thank you to all the board members, past and present, who have served this church alongside us. In 38 years, I think we might have had two votes, maybe, that weren't unanimous. But we've always been able to find the wisdom and will of the Lord, and I'm thankful for these years of peace that we've enjoyed. So blessings to all of the deacons who have served so faithfully. I wonder if you're a deacon or you've been a deacon in the past, would you stand for just a minute so we can kind of see uh, where you are? So you've been on the board at some point in time, even if it was before my time. So yeah, look at these guys. Thank you so much. We bless you all. Thank you for your service. Thank you to the associate pastors, past and present, youth and children and all the others 
who have worked so hard and so well helping to carry the load all these years. You're world changers, all of you. You never said no, never refused a request that I can recall, regardless of the hours, the middle of the night, the price, the sacrifice. You all said yes to the call of God, yes to serve this church and to serve me as your pastor. And I'm humbled by your loyalty and support and so very thankful for the extraordinary way you've worked and served the Lord. Um, I'm really at a loss for words for uh, all that have served so well, but I love all of you so dearly. If you were one of the pastors, I know the Hodges are here and the Wootens, but if you're one of the pastors, would you stand and, and current as well as past? So Bryce is back there and these guys on the front, Jeff, and yeah, there they are, Rick. And so thank you all. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bryce, for, for stealing away from your church and all of you for, for coming. My friend Brian never was on staff, but thank you for being here because we love you. You've, you've preached here and, and, uh, and we claimed him as part of the, part of the family. He's a son in the Lord and, and uh, so honored to hear. To the staff that worked so hard supporting the pastors and serving the church body, thank you. God bless each and every one of you. Your efforts make all the difference. And currently, uh, see if I got everybody's name, including Paula and Phyllis Yandel and Sandy Casey and Gabby Bravo and Karen Graham and Metzley Bravo and Diego Bravo and Lori Swisher and PJ Milenberg and Michael Hudson and Oksana McCombs and Valerie and Justin Billingsley and Dusty Hutchinson. I think that's about everybody. That, uh, but anyway, to all of the incredible volunteers that serve each and every week to make Carbondale the exceptional place it is, thank you. We love all of you so very, very much. And uh, uh, Phyllis Yandel has been my secretary or administrative assistant or personal assistant, or I don't know what we've called her, but she's been such a dear friend to me and to my family and has been there to help me with just about everything and every book and every project that we've done, every sermon she's responsible for the things that show up on the screen because I didn't know how to do any of that. I remember Sarah kind of going, you know, I can show you how to do this. I'm like, uh, no, you probably can't. It'll just be simpler. So she had to show me how to, here's what you do to send it to me and I'll take care of it on vacations or somewhere else. Just send it to me. I'll take care of it and I'll send it back and it'll all be done. And that is why God made people like that. All right. So uh, anyway, so yeah, thank you. To everyone that, uh, and thank you for the, I, they've all said that you're the, the genius behind everything that happened over this weekend. Thank you for an incredible time yesterday. It was just remarkable. And, uh, they, they videoed it. So, I mean, you could go back if you didn't get, if you weren't here yesterday. Some of you were graduating from, uh, from TU, right? So congratulations there. Uh, Nicholas was, was, uh, at graduation and others were doing ORU had graduation yesterday. And I know Mitchell Mefford. Anyway, uh, so congratulations to all the college grads out there. But thank you to everybody. Uh, we're so blessed. To my family, there are no words to say how proud and thankful I am that we, the four of us, have been able to serve one church as a family for all of these years. And um, we'll start with the youngest and work my way to the oldest here. So, Rebecca, I'm so thankful for you and the many, many gifts that you brought. Man, I was doing really good. So, 
Uh, so thankful for the many, many gifts you bring to this church. We've all joked that Rebecca should be the volunteer of the year. You think you'll miss me or miss Paula, but uh, you'll really miss Beck if she's not here. You see her singing on the worship team on Sunday, but she also teaches youth Sunday school and she helps lead and teach the youth life group and she cooks and prepares the meal for the life group and is a youth sponsor and she volunteers in the nursery on Sundays. In addition to using her gifting and skill as a counselor, she's kept uh, me sane for the last few years and on track. And I love you so much, Beck. And thank you for loving and serving this church in such extraordinary fashion. She's been my TV viewing partner. I mean, we'll say, well, you know, do you want to watch? No, not really. So anyway, Beck and I watch the same things. And, and she explains life to me, right? With that... Uh, whoever says so and all that stuff. So anyway, thank you very much. Sarah, I'm so thankful for the almost 10 years that you've been here now serving the Lord and the church and your dad. And uh, 10 years ago this summer, uh, I have to tell you, I was in a pretty bad, dark place emotionally at that time. And uh, she felt the Lord had spoken to her. A change was coming in, in terms of Europe and she sold her house. And, and uh, it was like, well, now I'm homeless. I don't know. And, and I said, went to the board and said, what would you think if, if Sarah were to come home and take this role as a senior associate uh, to basically uh, be the executive pastor? I said, you know, I kept looking for somebody and realized I'd raised somebody in my house that could, that could handle the responsibility to, to essentially pastor the church. And she, they said, um, I still remember, I think it was Bill Middleton said, well, it's about time. And, uh, and so, um, and so Sarah came home to assume this role uh, I, I wouldn't have still been here if it hadn't been for Sarah. Uh, and so she's kept me here. She said, Dad, I'm coming to help you finish strong. And she has led every staff meeting in the past almost 10 years. I said to the board then, they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to preach. I want to pray for people. I'll go to the hospital. I don't want to make another decision about when something happens. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. And they said, perfect. Uh, I think it was Mike McGee was on the board then and he said, my goal is for you to stay healthy enough and keep preaching so that you can preach my funeral. So let her do everything else. And I called the staff in and said, I know you've been wanting answers to questions and I can't give them anymore, but whatever the answer, if you need it, go to her and she'll give you the answer. And that's what she's done. And this has been amazing. And so I can't begin to tell you what a blessing you've been. You've led well. And the truth is you've protected me and taken the blame for me and helped me and spoken for me and you've led our great staff with purpose and you've loved this church and this community with passion and care and I thank you and I love you and I'm grateful for all you've done for our church and for your dad. I love you, bud. And to Paula, my bride of almost 48 years, we married May the 31st, 1975. And by the end of the year, as she said, we were youth pastors here. And for the next 47 plus years, you've shared me and my time and energy and attention with this church. And you did it without ever complaining or criticizing or whining about it. You faithfully supported me. You cared for and stood by me cancer surgery and all the other times craziness lord have mercy you never stop loving me through the crazy 
times in depression. You protected me. You protected our daughters. You prayed for our family and for our church family. And you quietly loved this church and this congregation. And for 35 years, you've worked as the financial secretary, paying the bills and handling the deposits. You know, there's a couple people in this church that know who, who pays their tithes. It's the treasurer, and it's the lady that handles all the deposits, Sarah. And I'm Sarah, I mean Paula. It's Paula. <laughs> and you know what? In, in 38 years of that, she's never said once who pays tithes and who doesn't. I have no idea. She's never said, like, you're not going to believe this or whatever, you know. She'll, you know. I mean, uh, that's how, yeah. If you tell Paula something, right, it's in, the, it's in the vault, right? It's in the vault. Thank you for not complaining about vacations cut short by death in the church or meals interrupted by phone calls or middle-of-the-night emergencies or middle-of-the-night conversations. <laughs> Thank you for walking with me on this journey and for being willing to walk into the next season with me as well. It's been quite a journey for sure, and I love you, and I'm thankful the Lord gifted me with you, and I really won't just sing and preach to you. So, (laughs) Did you guys know I went in like late last night and played the piano? Could you hear the clatter? Yeah, because I've got a piano that a silent model Yamaha, and so I can actually plug in a thing and I mean it's an acoustic that's too much information but anyway I can actually play the piano in the middle of the night and all they hear is of just the keys but I'm hearing the sound of my headphones so hallelujah thanks for the offering uh thanks for all the cards and gifts we haven't even had time to open things that were given to us yesterday that's our plan for this evening and so but thanks to all of you for all the precious memories and I want to share some memories this morning and and we'll move this along um, the Bible says, where there's no vision, the people perish. This was a, a simple one for Phyllis to do uh, in the midst of everything else. I said, it's just one verse. And uh, so there it is. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Y'all know I love Westerns. Uh, in fact, for my birthday, uh, Paula got me a t-shirt that it's got a cowboy on there kind of in the sunset. And the shirt says, I just love Westerns, okay? So anyway... <laughs> So one of my favorite movies, Larry Edwards, he's got, a, he's got a framed picture of this, but one of my favorite movies is Lonesome Dove. If you've seen it, you know there's so many great lines in the, in the movie. Uh, Captain Call, Tommy Lee Jones, when he says, I hate rude behavior in a man. Uh, you know, I won't tolerate it. I mean, they're just great movies. Gus, when they're getting ready to hang Jake's spoon, you know, and he says, you know how it works, Jake. You ride with an outlaw, you die with an outlaw. I'm sorry you crossed the line. And Jake makes a great line. He says, I didn't see no line, Gus. Anyway, <laughs> y'all need to watch the movie. If you haven't ever seen Lonesome Dove, come on, people. <laughs> it's probably on today sometime. You just need to go watch it. Watch, don't watch that remake when uh, that other guy. No, you need to see the real deal. At the end of the movie, Captain uh, uh, Woodrow Call, he's made it all the way back. Uh, spoiler alert here if you haven't seen it. <laughs> he's made it all the way back to lonesome dove and there's a young reporter there that approaches him and he says you're captain call aren't you captain woodrow call and so then he starts saying they say you're a great man they say you're a texas ranger they say you ran off the bandits they say you 
you're the, you were the first cattle uh, ranch up in Montana. They say that you brought your friend 3,000 miles just to bury him. They say you're a man of vision. And Captain Call says, a man of vision, you say. And then I'll clean it up a little bit. <laughs> he says, yeah, quite a vision. And then you see all these scenes from the past four hours of the movie or whatever it is, begin to replay. It's as if in his mind, he's seeing all the past and he rumors it all. Where there's no vision, the people perish. And so as I bring this season of ours to a close, if you were to ask me if I'm a man of vision like Captain Kong, I would say, yes, sir. Yeah, quite a vision. And my vision reaches all the way back to teenage years here in this church. I can see the youth group because we used to, we sat in numerous places. I think at one point we were here in the middle, but I can remember us sitting over there, all right, kind of in that, on that east side back over there, like where the, where the Calverts are. And, 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 uh, and so I can remember us sitting in there, coming in after Sunday school and, and finding our place over there. Wow. I can see the Sunday, uh, I can see the Sunday in December of, 1969, after one of our member of our youth group, Jimmy Bingham, was 16, was murdered in a Sinclair station or whatever it was across the highway on 51st Street. And we, we used to meet in the fellowship hall down here and it had dividers and the junior high was on one side and the high school was on the other. And that Sunday and a couple of other Sundays, we opened the dividers and everybody was just crying and praying for each other as our youth group realized that Life can be shorter than we thought, and there are no guarantees for tomorrow, even for 16-year-olds. I can see Dorothy Bingham, Jimmy's mom, telling Brother Pratt, let's pray for the man that shot Jimmy. He needs the Lord. Wow. I can see Paula and I as teenagers sitting right over there. I can see us with my arm around her on the back of the pew, and I can see me sitting in Brother Pratt's office. (laughs) And him cautioning me about PDA and getting, getting too serious too soon. So thank you for that. So just a little heads up there for teenagers. Be thankful that it's me and not Brother Pratt. <laughs> I can see a group of teenagers right down here on Monday night. The piano used to be down on the floor at one point in time. It used to be over there. It was over here and we were singing at somebody's funeral when uh, it was the trio singing and somehow or another, somebody accidentally hit the lid. It was an old Baldwin piano and hit the lid. And so hit my, it was kind of a whomp, kind of a deal when it hit my hands and smashed them on the keys. Like, Thank you. Let's get that back up. It was also over here singing, uh, fill my cup, Lord, that I forgot the verse and, and uh, I made up an entire new verse for fill my cup, Lord. <laughs> like the woman at the well, I was chatting. I, I don't know. I don't know what I said, but anyway. Made up a lot of stuff over there. But I can see a group of teenagers right down here on Monday nights gathering for prayer meeting. And we worshiped and we prayed. It was just us. It was just teenagers. I think for a while, it seemed like there was a guy named Bob Foster or somebody. But anyway, there was a guy or somebody else that maybe would come as a kind of a sponsor. But, but it was just us. We came back from camp, fired up, and we were just down here praying. And I mean, people just laying in the floor seeking God. And, and then Dave and Brenda came as our youth pastors. And so many hearts were turned toward the Lord and passionate about serving him. That's how good my vision is. I can see a Sunday morning, and, and some of you will remember this, an Irville Doak was sitting right 
over here about where, uh, where uh, yeah, where Michael and, and Tara were right over in there. And all of a sudden she fell over and the firemen in the church we had a whole bunch of firemen or whatever and they got over there and no, they couldn't find a pulse. They were saying like, no, there's no pulse and stuff. And so Brother Pratt said, let's pray. And so everybody just started praying. And by the time an ambulance got here, Ervil got up. She was already up and walked out to the ambulance. So I don't know if God raised her from the dead or what, but I know that she didn't have a pulse and she walked to the ambulance. So yeah, no, I've got a vision. I remember I remember those I remember those days. I've seen a few things around here. Quite the vision as Captain said. I can see the spirit of God moving around these altars. I can see teenagers standing in a circle in back what used to be the choir room that we uh, that we removed a few years back, but there was a room back there. It was it was going to be a wedding chapel, I think, when we built this in '67, and then it became the choir room, and then it was a prayer room, and we'd gather back there to pray. And I can remember us standing back there as teenagers praying and seeking the Lord. And I remember there there was a moment when when some of us uh, the first time to give a message in tongues or to interpret a message in tongues or to just feel that prompting of a prophetic word or whatever, and it happened with those teenagers back there. I can see evangelist William Caldwell coming to, to pray. And it seemed like he had, had people lined up on the platform. Maybe it was Kenny Woods, wasn't it? Had a hernia or something. And William Caldwell, who was an AG evangelist with a mighty healing ministry at Dorothy Parmy worked for him for years. And he came up and punched Kenny in the stomach like that. And God healed that hernia. I mean, like it was, and I don't know if uh, Benita used to be Harper. Uh, uh, I remember her telling me this story, but she was prayed for that night with William Caldwell. She had planner warts and uh, she said, and, and he prayed for me and it was like, you know, nothing had happened, nothing changed or whatever. And she said, I was so disappointed. She went home and went to bed. And the next morning when she woke up, every one of the planner warts had fallen off. They were laying in the bed. They fell off during the night. I mean, yeah. I've seen a few things. I've got a vision of a few things that have happened, miracles and blessings. I can see Paula and I standing here on that May 31st, exchanging vows. Brother Peratt and Herschel Brummett uh, officiated at our service, right? And your dad, yeah. And we promised to love each other as long as we would both live, and we're still living, so here we are. And as she said, never imagining that almost 48 years later, we would be here again today, still standing together, still pledging to keep loving one another. I can see us standing here on this platform, first with Sarah and then with Rebecca, as Brother McQueen dedicated our girls to the Lord. And sure looks like he did a good job because they're still serving Jesus today. I can see myself kneeling right down here. And again, all the platform has been remodeled. The image has changed, but I can see me kneeling right down here one day, just during the day. It was during some of those really dark days for me of depression and uh, in the early 80s. And I, I came in here and knelt down and was just kind of weeping and praying. And I remember saying, Lord, if you're not going to deliver me from this, if you're not going to heal me, and if the rest of my life is going to be lived in darkness, would you just let me die here at this altar. Let them walk in here and just find me draped over this altar. This is where I got married. This is where I've, I dedicated my children. This is where I, I express my love for Jesus. This is where I've served you. It seems like the appropriate place. And so what I wasn't going to end my life, I just was offering an opportunity 
for him to end it. Lord, could you just take me home because I don't think I can stand the darkness anymore. And I remember another time. He didn't answer that prayer, by the way. A spoiler alert there. <laughs> I remember another time in another dark patch standing down here and friends in this church group of people gathered around me and prayed for me. There's been a lot of those patches. I remember walking home one day when we lived down there thinking, boy, is this ever going to change? Is this ever going to end? I remember a dark a month of December that I, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to tell all that. I remember calling Brother McQueen, Brother and Sister McQueen, and it was late on a Saturday night, a Saturday evening. I said, can I come talk to you? And Brother McQueen said, well, it's kind of late. And I said, I just, I need to talk to you. And I went over to their house over here. I sat down on the floor. And I mean, I cried like, you know, like snubbering. I don't think I can do this. And he said, listen, don't worry about coming to church tomorrow. You just need to take some time. We're going to arrange for you to go see somebody. Go see Dr. Brock. That's what I did. I drove to Springfield and met with Ray Brock. We're going to get you better. Brother McQueen understood because he'd had a nervous breakdown. He understood what was going on and he loved me through that. He was so gracious and kind. I thought, do I have to quit? I said that to, I've said that to the board a couple of times. Well, eventually are you just going to say, you're crazy and you just have to go and they never did. I remember saying to Brother McQueen one time, do you think everybody knows how sick I must be, how sick I am? No, no. But I also remember the day standing down in that house when we lived down there and thinking, I think this is gone. I think this is lifted off of me. And I think I'm free of this, you know? That's how faithful and how good God has been. No, I've, I've got a vision. <laughs> I've seen a few things. I can see myself standing behind this pulpit as Brother and Sister McQueen and the board prayed over us and installed us as pastors, installed us as pastors. I can see times of visitation from the Lord. I remember a Sunday morning when the presence of God was so overwhelming at the end of the service. I said, I don't know what you're going to do. And I laid down on the floor right here behind the pulpit and people just began to come to the altars. I didn't even know who came. I kind of looked around once people were down here, but I was behind the pulpit. And I mean, I felt the weight of God's glory so strong that eventually I said, Lord, you'll have to lift your hand from me. I think I'll die. I think you're going to crush me. I mean, it was that, that heavy, the weight of that. It was, I'd never felt anything like it. Young men and women see visions, the prophet said, and I can see a Saturday night prayer meeting. I was standing down here. We stood at the front. We'd kind of gathered down here to pray. And standing there, I, it was the strangest thing. I've had some visions before, but it was like, it was like, uh, I, I, I mean, I had my eyes closed, but boy, it was as real to me. And all of a sudden, this sanctuary was surrounded by angels. They were, I could see them. I saw the way they were dressed. They were standing like they were at parade rest, like this. They had their heads down. And I thought, Lord, what are you, what are you showing me here? And I stood there for a moment. 
And I thought, so what, what's the deal? And I finally took a couple of steps forward. And when I did, it was like they moved in lockstep, two of them in a row. And they began to move and they followed me. And I walked a ways back down the aisle. I know everybody standing down here thought, where is he going? What's he doing? But I walked because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And we got back to about where the, where the beams are. And I'd gotten back that far. And it was like I could see beyond the wall and see outside. And it was like a war zone out there. And I thought, my goodness, are, are, do you want us to go out there? Are the angels going to go out there? And I felt like the Lord in the vision, because I'm hearing a voice, but it was the, the voice said, no, they're not going. You have to lead them out there. Uh, the sense was the angels aren't going to move unless you move. They're not going anywhere unless you go. I walked back down the aisle and there was a young lady who was struggling with some stuff and I moved over there to pray for her. And when I did, I mean, when I started to pray quickly, she was surrounded by those angels and walked back up here. And I felt like the angels were kind of like, I messed this up. And I remember kind of thinking, what did I do wrong in this? And, and the voice that I'm hearing said, you came back in here. Because they were ready to go. They wanted to follow you into battle. If you'll go into battle, they'll take you there. And I just looked back and saw my friend Tom Shaw back there. And uh, bless you, brother. We're honored to see you today, my dear friend. And so, yeah, I, I, I've seen a few things. <laughs> I had another vision here, kneeling right down here at this altar. And I saw me on a journey of my life. And I saw people. I remember uh, two things about that. I remember one was we stopped and over off of the off of the path we were on, and I was I'm walking with Jesus this whole time, and over on the path somewhere there was a huge home, and and what the sense was that there was money and wealth and all kinds of things, and and I stopped and just kind of lingered there. I looked at it and looked a little too long, and I heard the Lord say, "Will you leave me for that?" And I said, "Oh no, Lord." I won't leave you. I'll forsake all that and follow you. And I kept walking with the Lord. And eventually we got to a place where I noticed that my garment, it was white, but it was pretty dingy looking. And his was so bright. And all of a sudden I felt something in that vision. And I thought, oh, I'm dying. This is death. And in that moment, my dingier garment looked like his. It was white and bright and brilliant. And I thought, I'm not dying this is life. This is what life is. I mean, I'll never be afraid of dying because there's eternal life that's coming for us. I can see us, all those moments, all the visitation of the Lord, all the blessings of God. I can see a vision God gave me of the word of God going forth from the pulpit like a sword that broke the chains of people that were bound to the beams of this sanctuary. I can see people set free over the years from addiction and sin and legalism and all the other stuff. I can see hundreds of funerals over the years saying goodbye to so many dear saints with hearts full of thankfulness for their lives well lived and for the hope of the resurrection. I can see the faces of wonderful people and wonderful times and wonderful services and wonderful memories that I treasure. I can see Daryl and Faith coming back after, after Ron passed away. And Daryl talking about, boy, it was so tough. And we prayed and we didn't see it happen. And, and I said, Daryl, you need to preach. Boy, I don't know that I've got anything to say. And I said, sometimes you need to, Oral taught us that, you need to sow a seed in the midst of your grief. Sometimes you just need to get up and hear yourself say, 
this is what I still believe, and this is what I still know. And I've heard him preach some masterpieces, and that was one of them the night that he he preached. I, too, can see that Monday night of the tornado in 99, and Daryl and I down here on the other side of that of that fellowship hall, and he's right. We both kind of went, boy, it was like somebody punched us in the gut. Like, what in the world are we going to do? And I can see that policewoman threatening me. Uh, who said, I'm not going to tell you again. She looked at Roger and goes, I know you, you're the fire department, but I'm not telling you again, do not cross that line. Whatever. Larry Johnson brought us the yellow tape. We put it up ourselves. Lighten up. But anyway, back off, Karen. But anyway, she just, I thought, I'm going to be arrested. I see the headlines. Pastor wrestled to the ground by. <laughs> I see us at VBI. I see us taking an offering, hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, one point one million dollars pledged from this church, over and above tithe and offering given in twelve months, and we move back in here debt free. Man, I see young people called to ministry and called to missions and serving the Lord today at home and around the world. I mentioned Mitchell uh, Mefford graduating yesterday. He's headed off to ministry. I see Pastor Brittany and Sarah and Brian and, and uh, well, all everybody, Jeff and Bryce, all of them down here at Robertson leading boys and girls clubs and Jeff in the high schools and the junior highs and going to lunches. And I see guys sitting beside him today that he reached at Webster and all the other places. And I see families here. The Bravos are because their kids got touched at Robertson by our after school programs, our boys and girls programs. Oh yeah, I got a vision, man, of seeing what God has done as he brought people here and, and the lives that are being impacted. And we got young men and, and women that are going to be here as interns this summer. And I, I, yeah, I, I've got a vision of all that, but it's not just a vision looking back. It's a vision looking forward. And I've got a vision of what can be and of what I believe will be. I've got a vision of a growing, healthy, multi-generational, multi-ethnic church where Jesus is exalted and talked about and where he's the focus of every message and every outreach. And I've got a vision of a missions giving, mission sending, Jesus loving, spirit filled, gospel preaching, Christ on sinner loving sinner saving church that brings hope and transformation to Tulsa and to Southwest Tulsa and I think that's what we've been or at least what we've tried to be and I'm believing it's going to continue in even greater measure amen a place of healing and hope and laughter and peace. I've got a vision of a church that isn't afraid to live for Jesus and to let our light shine in an increasingly darker world. A church that'll keep our eyes on Jesus and make him the main thing. And we'll keep our eyes on eternal things rather than the things of the earth. A church that'll make full use of that spiritual DNA that we talked about last Sunday that will courageously be Carbondale Assembly of God in this world. And I can't see exactly what's next, but you know what? I'm not supposed to because it's your decision and the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be afraid. You can trust God and seek the Lord and pray and seek his direction because he's going to lead you and guide you. Trust the process. And I'll tell you that you've got good and extraordinarily gifted pastors already here in place who are ready to lead and serve. And Sarah and Brian and Jeff and Brittany have a fresh vision of what can happen here at Carbondale and how to empower that next generation. 
said there's going to be six interns serving here that want to do ministry and they're going to pour into them this summer. Keep praying for them, for your staff. Keep praying for the board and keep seeking the Lord and his direction for this church because I have a vision of greater things ahead and I believe the Lord wants to bless this church and once again expand your borders and your boundaries. So I just challenge you, don't shrink back from what God is calling you to do. We're pioneers, remember? It's in your DNA and so do that. It's just part of who you are. And I've got another vision this morning. With eyes of faith, I can see far beyond today and beyond the blessings that are going to come to Carbondale in your next season and all the way to a day when all of us are going to be together and our robes washed white and clean in the blood of the Lamb, standing whole, reunited with the saints of God that have gone before and we're standing before the throne of God and in one mighty voice we declare, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise and to him who sits on the throne and under the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power and dominion forever and forever. Can you see it with eyes of faith this morning? I want you to see it because I don't want you to miss it. I don't want anybody to miss heaven and some of you have come home today. I don't want you to miss that glorious gathering of the saints. I don't want you to miss eternity with Jesus, the one who gave his life for you to redeem you from your sins. And I'm grieved to think that anyone who attended this church, who sat through hundreds of Sundays listening to my sermons, that at the end you would miss heaven and you'd fail to give your heart and life to Jesus when you had the time and opportunity. And I've tried my best over these years to point you to Jesus and to encourage you to follow him and to live for him and to serve him and surrender your life to him. And if you've not done that, then one more time, one more opportunity from this old preacher to tell you that today, now's the time, and I urge you to give your heart to Jesus. Repent of your sins and make him the Savior and Lord of your life. Just look with eyes of faith toward him today. And if you need Jesus and you want to ask him to forgive your sins and give you that eternal life, then I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads right now for just a moment. And I want to pray for you this morning, but if you're here and you say, I want you to pray for me because I need, I need forgiveness. I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want to surrender my life and my heart to him. And I want you to pray for me. I want to pray that prayer with you. Would you just slip your hand up so I can see it anywhere in the building? Because I want to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Somebody else, you just slip your hand up and say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart, my life today. I want to make sure that everything's right with the Lord. I want to, I want to live for him. I want to do what you're talking about. I've seen a couple of hands this morning. So if anybody else, if there's another hand, I don't want to overlook anybody, but I want to pray for you. And I'll tell you right now, thanks for you that have raised your hand. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he'll forgive our sins and he'll cleanse us from unrighteousness. He'll cleanse us from sin. And so right now, if you'll ask him in, with, in your own prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer and you can repeat it after me if you want, but in your own heart, just ask Jesus to come in your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. I've failed you. I've not lived up to your plan and purpose for my life. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sins. Forgive me, Lord. I repent and I turn to you. Come into my heart and come into my life and be the Savior and Lord of my life. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, as I surrender my life to you. I'll serve you. I'm going to live for you. And I pledge my life to you in Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. If we do that, that's all. It's that simple. You pray and you repent. You confess, you believe, you receive, and you give thanks today. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I was going to sing a little chorus, but I, I'm just, uh, I, I just urge you to do what that chorus says, and that's to hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. The verse says life is, uh, what is it? Life is full of swift transition. Not of earth can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Life changes. Oh, it's taken 48 years to get rid of us, but life changes and there'll be more changes coming. Some of us stay longer than others, you know. But change comes to every life. Life and death, it's part of it. But I'm telling you, here's the key. Hold to God's unchanging hands. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. Hold on to Jesus. Amen. I tell you what, I want, I want Paul and the girls to come back up and Daryl and Faith, if you'd come back up here, I want you to pray for us today. If you'll, Sarah, bring a mic with you and, and uh, Somebody said it yesterday. Maybe it was you. I mean, it is, it's very much a ministry, it's very much a family affair, isn't it? That, uh, yeah, it, it, whether you like it or not. And we're so, I'm so proud and pleased to just acknowledge that our girls, by God's grace and, and Paula's skill, have loved Jesus and served him. And uh, uh, Brian said it yesterday, like, never brought us yeah, any trouble. A lot of sarcasm, but not any trouble. <laughs> Love these girls. Would you just, uh, you can pray for the church. I'm, I'm going to pray a final benediction over them. But would you, would you pray for us and pray for the church and just, yeah. So humbled and honored. Can I have uh, former staff and deacons, would you join us up here? I feel like this is a significant moment. And so if, you've, if you were on staff or been on staff or a deacon or a deacon staff. or were a deacon, uh, if you would just slip out from where you're, Betty Calabrese, would you join us uh, up here? here? Uh, would, could we have Betty come up here Betty and join us? Here. She said she was going uh, to. If, if you feel led to come up, uh, come up. And spouses, of course, of deacons and, and staff. Um, uh, this is not just the end of one chapter. It's the beginning of a new chapter uh, for Carbondale and for Pastor Phil and Paula and the Taylors, and we just want to pray supernatural blessing over them. Would you just stand wherever you're at, and can we pray favor and grace and strength and healing and protection uh, over this man and and woman of God? I just pray as the Holy Spirit uh, leads you. Would you stretch forth your hands? Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for Pastor Phil and Paula. Lord, a man and woman of God, choice servants of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we all could spend hours giving thanks and testimonies, Lord, of the miracles that we've witnessed because Pastor Phil and Paula said yes. We give you praise for all the glorious miracles that have happened, Lord, in this season and these years. We give you the praise. Lord, we thank you, Lord, Pastor Phil and Paula. And now in this new season, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would walk 
walk in a new anointing, God. This is going to be an anointing of being a patriarch and a matriarch to spiritual leaders, to young leaders who are looking for leaders that still carry integrity and deep theology and hold to the truths of the Word of God and have a passion to see this world come to know Jesus. Lord, I thank you as they step into this new chapter, Lord, that they would fill this d- d- dynamic anointing. And I pray, God, that you would give them rest. We pray Shabbat. We pray Sabbath, sabbatical over them in this immediate season. They have given and given and given. Renew their minds and their bodies and their hearts. Renew their marriage. Renew their family. Give joy where they've given. Lord, let them reap generously. But we pray for this apostolic anointing that comes, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, for Sarah and Rebecca as well. As Lord, this has been a family journey and chapter. And now we pray for Carbondale Assembly of God. This is your church. You are the head of the church. All we have to do is listen and yield to you. And we know, Lord, that we're all seeking the heart of God. Let everyone just continue to passionately seek the heart of God and your heart will be revealed. Lord, we'll carve out a thousand years in eternity. Lord, just talk about the chapters and the miracles that happened in this season because of your glory and your honor. And I pray, God, that something would stir and a move of God that's unprecedented would happen in this place and that people would find Jesus and be filled with the Spirit and healed and delivered. Let a revival happen, Lord, not in four months or four years, but in this season right now. Thank you for a church that is multi-ethnic, red, yellow, black, brown, and white, that is old and young and everything in between. Thank you, Lord, that healthy churches keep their grandkids. Thank you for the youth that are praising the Lord and the senior adults and let us come together and answer your prayer in this season. Lord, you said, let them be one, even as you and I are one. Granted, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. grace and mercy of the Lord rest upon the house of the Lord and those who seek after him, who trust in him, who lean upon him, who acknowledge him with all their heart and all their understanding. He will grant direction. He will give life to their ways. The way before will be lit with presence and with peace. And so trust in the Lord. Know that his good grace is upon you. His grace is upon this house. His grace rests upon the servants of the Lord who have given of themselves and sacrificed. And indeed the promise of the Lord is that he will bless and crown you with glory and with his righteousness. And so trust in the Lord. Rejoice in him and give thanks for there are greater days ahead as all turn to him and walk in obedience and in faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your promise to us today. Thank you, Lord, for grace upon this house. Thank you, Lord, for Carbondale Assembly of God and for what they've meant to me and to this family. More than the 47 years, Lord, it goes back to those teenage years and we've seen your hand and we've watched you, Lord. Yeah, I've got quite a vision of the faithfulness of God. 
And running through my mind, I see the faces of so many generations of people, my own parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. We've said goodbye to so many, Lord. But what a welcome we're going to have one of these days when we stand in your presence and rejoice, Lord. We look forward to that day. There's folks cheering us on. There's folks, folks cheering on Carbondale Assembly of God from, from heaven, from the bleachers there, Lord. And so I pray grace upon this great church, Lord, that we've established a house of grace here. Let that grace rest upon this place. Let the favor of the Lord be here. And the enemy can't come in to sow division. Instead, Lord, there's a hedge of protection around this place. It is a place of healing and it is a place of hope and laughter and peace. And the grace of the Lord is upon it, Lord. Let wisdom and let discernment, Lord, let knowledge, let that spiritual maturity be seen. Let that spiritual DNA we've talked about, let us see it, Lord, in the days ahead. God, give us souls, give us increase, give us revival. As our pastor declared this morning, what Daryl prayed in that prayer, Lord, let it be that this place is established like a city on a hill and the light of this place cannot be hidden because always it's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about Jesus. It has to be. And so one more time, Lord, as the pastor of this church, I pronounce this benediction and blessing upon this people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Bless you. We love you. Thanks for everything. God bless you. You've got a little bit of time to visit before we're going to do this again. So you may want to pray for us. Kind of dehydrated from all the tears. So bless you. Great favor upon you. Amen.